Greetings from West End Baptist Church in Halifax. My name is Matt, and it's my privilege to uh, be here this morning. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that we can gather to sing your praises, and we thank you that you indeed never let us go. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When it comes to church, what a difference 25 to 30 years makes. If you have kids, maybe you're familiar with the, the movie uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Let's go back in time. Let's go back in time. Let's, let's enter our way back machines and, and go back 30 years. Three-piece suits were the norm. You don't see too many of those around anymore. And part and parcel with the three-piece suit was a little thing called galoshes. Who knows what I'm talking about? Maybe a better question is, who still wears galoshes? <laughs> Let me tell you, that was rhetorical. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about galoshes. My friend Allison, 30 years ago, thought it would be funny during the middle of the worship service to go out into the foyer and mix up all of the galoshes. <laughs> And so we waited in the wings as the men entered the foyer after the service, and they went to find their galoshes, and behold, there was a nine and a half next to a size 13. People weren't too pleased. <laughs> Two things. God, I'm almost convinced, is more concerned with our heart, and that style is not particularly important. And if you're okay with a tuxedo or a three-piece suit, smart casual, or maybe even sweatpants and a hoodie. Whatever you like, that's just fine. But when it comes to prayer, it doesn't have to be, and this is what I want you to take from this message, prayer doesn't have to be Sunday best, three-piece suit type language. How do I know that this is true? Just read the Psalms. And I will tell you, as a pastor, the Psalms have become one of my best friends. If, if it's okay for wisdom to be my girlfriend, the Psalms have been my friend. Lady Wisdom, read Proverbs, you'll know what I'm talking about. The Psalms, they aren't casual, at least not in the relaxed or flippant sense of the word, but they just might be smart casual. They're poignant and appropriate without being stuffy. And one reason that the Psalms aren't Sunday best type language is, is because of this. They emerge from the raw emotions of life. Just look at the superscription or the, the intro to Psalm 3. A Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. The, the reference, of course, is to 2 Samuel and in 2 Samuel, we have this very sad story of, of Amnon, David's eldest son. He rapes his sister Tamar. And Absalom 
kills his brother Amnon in revenge. And Absalom, he doesn't want to wait for David to, uh, to die. He may be worried that David won't choose him because of his indiscretions. And so he decides to pursue his father David. This is a fascinating account. It doesn't end well for Absalom. As we know, David survives. And so there's two scenarios when we're looking at Psalm 3. Perhaps, very ancient tradition, this psalm is associated with, with this incident in David's life. Or maybe along the way, some way, someone thought, you know, this psalm fits with this story. So this is the kind of thing David would have composed. In any case, Psalm 3 shows us that prayer is hardcore, real-time raw response with real emotions. There's no sugarcoating the Psalms. There's no sugarcoating prayer. It's real. And what Psalm 3 is what scholars call a lament psalm. The psalmist is upset and he cries out to God. In verses 1 and 2, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. And this is so important. Prayer is not just about our hallelujahs. There are times when we don't know what to do. There are times when we don't even know how to feel. Therefore, there are times when our prayers, at least part of them, are cries of desperation. We cry out to God and we don't know what's happening. We don't know what God's going to do. So we cry out to God. And Jesus makes explicit what is assumed by the Psalms. Prayer is not just an empty spiritual exercise. God listens to our prayers, even our cries of desperation. And maybe more importantly, Jesus' own life shows us that prayer offered in suffering and anguish are one way we remind ourselves of our need to rely on God. If you were at convention this past year, Oasis Convention Assembly, Philip Yancey spoke, and one of the things he, he said stood out to me. He said, God is on the side of the one who is suffering. God is on the side of the one who is suffering. God will help us and is with us when we suffer. That is a wonderful truth. But let's get back to Psalm 3 for a second and see how Psalm 3 unpacks this idea of suffering. The first word of the psalm is Lord, capital L-O-R-D. If you've taken Old Testament, you know that anytime you see a capital L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, that's God's name behind that, Yahweh. On Mount Sinai, God revealed his name to Moses. And, you know, I'm struck by this. If you, if you have kids, again... Baby's first word, usually it's mummy or daddy or some form of that. Back up. The first prayer proper of the Psalter, Psalm 3, the first word is Yahweh. Yahweh. And the Psalms are this personal conversation with the God who has revealed himself in history. Yahweh. Psalm 3, oh Yahweh, how many are my foes? Psalm 23, Yahweh is my shepherd. Psalm 38, O Yahweh, do not rebuke me in your anger. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for Yahweh. He turned to me and heard my cry. And Psalm 103, as 
Dr. Gardner read, Yahweh is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Those, those are incredible statements for us to think about. But even more incredible is this. John 1.18 says that no one has ever seen God, but that to see Jesus is to see God. Jesus reveals the Lord. Jesus reveals Yahweh to us. Jesus reveals a God who cares and listens. And as I know many of you here this morning, as you wrestle with or maybe even agonize over your call to ministry, know this, you serve a God who cares and listens. You serve a God who wants to help you figure that out. And through the Holy Spirit, through his word, and through his people, he will help you figure your call out. He will. But here's the challenge, and it's a challenge for all of us. Often in these lament psalms, after the cry of desperation, they have this element known as the expression of trust. This is the challenging part of the psalm. But you, O Yahweh, are a shield to me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to Yahweh, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because Yahweh sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. You know, the psalmist seems like he's in a tough spot here. Maybe he's even spent the night in the temple, examining his life, looking to see how God has come through in the past and how he's going to come through for him now. God is his shield, his protector, his glory. It's not the goodness of the psalm, the psalmist, pardon me, or the accomplishments of the psalmist, but God himself who is the psalmist's glory. And I love this part. God lifts the psalmist's head. This is from despair, moving from despair to hope. And it's God who lifts the psalmist's head. It's not like God saying, ah, oh, just buck up. God lifts the head of the psalmist. God is active and he sustains us and he himself is the reason not to be afraid. And the challenge is when we are in a tight spot, we need to think hard about how God has helped us in the past. And I want to give you a wonderful example of this. Some of you know that four and a half years ago, my family packed up from Stewiak halfway between the North Pole and the equator. <laughs> you know that big giant uh, mastodon that's... Um, one end of the mastodon is facing the highway. There's a whole story about that. We won't get into that today. But we, we moved, and our, we had to sell our house. And it was an 11th hour sale of our house. It had been on the market for months, and nothing was selling. Thankfully, God came through. And he sold our house. Fast forward just a few weeks. We're in Hamilton. We're saying prayers with my two oldest boys. And Joseph, who was five and a half at the time, he thanks God for selling our house. In the midst of a move, in the midst of, of, of beginning something new, 
that had kind of slipped my mind. And my five-and-a-half-year-old reminds me exactly of what the psalmist does here. Take stock, look back how God has come through, and remember that and use that as fuel for faith here and now. Thanks, Joe. The lament, here we are, the lament is the occasion for crying out, and the expression of, uh, of, of trust shows us that our crying out isn't in vain. But the funny thing is about this psalm, the petition itself, the prayer itself, is short and sweet. Arise, O Yahweh, deliver me, my God. Strike my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. And then something we're a little more comfortable with. From Yahweh comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. You know, it's honest... The psalmist is honest, but it ain't pretty. This is not, again, three-piece suit language. This is not Sunday best language. And, you know, at this point I have to apologize. Because Psalm 3 is so inappropriate for pastors, or those thinking about pastoral ministry. Why? Because... We all know that the second we accept the, the invitation to come to Acadia, or the second we accept a call to a church, that we never have any bad feelings about anybody in our congregation. We have only warm and fuzzies, correct? Let me tell you another story. Let's go back in our Wayback Machine to 1991 or 19, 1992. There was a craze at least in Halifax, and it was called the bucket hat. You know what I mean by a bucket hat? A hat that has a rim all the way around? Everybody in, in Rockingham Junior High was wearing them. So I thought it would be a great idea to save up my paper route money and, and waste $30 on a Miami Dolphins bucket hat. No Miami Dolphins comments, please. My parents saw me in the mall later, and they started to laugh. It looked ridiculous. I needed to see that hat on me in the mirror, though, to recognize how bad it looked. <laughs> Prayers like that. We need to be honest with ourselves and our emotions to know what's really inside. We need to say it out loud. We need to pray it out loud to know how ugly it is. And Eugene Peterson, if you haven't read his book on the Psalms, it's called Answering God, Using the Psalms as Tools for Prayer. Buy it and read it once every few months. It's a fantastic book. But he says, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to pray, even the ugly thoughts of our heart. And it isn't to say that we shouldn't pray for God to bring an end to evil and its consequences, or its impact. But let's be clear, this teeth and cheek language is vengeance language. And if Jesus is our king, a sign of obedience and maturity is that after we have articulated our anger in prayer, maybe even our hatred in prayer, and the Psalms permit us to do this, they, they say it's okay but we can't stay there. A sign of obedience and maturity to our king is that we ask God to deal with the junk and to give us a heart 
that we would come to the point that we would pray and wish the best for those whom we just wanted to strike on the cheek and the teeth. This is never to condone or excuse evil. And maybe even that full reconciliation is still a far, a far ways off. But we're talking about forgiveness, giving the offender and our hurts to God. This is the gospel way of Jesus. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the Jesus who forgives us calls us to forgive. Because when we forgive, it's only then we can echo the end of Psalm 3 with integrity. From Yahweh comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people, all of your people. And if we really trust that it is God and not our bitterness or our hatred or anything else that will help us through tough times, then our lives will be a real-time witness that the psalmist slanderers from verse 1 and those who give us a hard time, that they're wrong. That God will come through for us. Arise, O Yahweh. Arise. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the reality of the Psalms. We thank you that there is nothing phony or fake about them. May they be our prayers, and as we pray them, may you change us. May we trust you in, in the midst of suffering, and may we be examples of your grace and your forgiveness. May we be peacemakers. Change us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.